Relationships and communication, fun, right? Everyone knows how important communication is within relationships and how difficult it may be at times. I'm sure many of us have attempted communicating certain truths to our loved ones or our friends and have completely missed uh, or they've missed exactly what we're trying to say. Uh, in, in thinking about this, it, it made me think of a time when I was first dating or courting Sarah. And there I was and thinking to myself, I'm going to let this girl know how I feel about her. And uh, I decided to be vulnerable and express my feelings to Sarah. So I decided to do it uh, at, a, at a time when the next time we were going to be hanging out, which, which happened to be... Uh, at the Racket and Fitness Club, which is on Congress Street. So we're going to go play tennis. Why, I really have no idea at that time, but Sarah wanted to play tennis, and I love tennis, and so we went and played tennis. So I, we pull into the parking lot, and there I am, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just let it go. So I said, so I, I'm looking at her, and we're about to get out, and I, I turn to her, and I say very clearly, uh... I really like spending time with you. So there's a moment of silence, and Sarah's kind of looking at me, and she turns to me, and she goes, that's nice. I didn't say anything else at that moment, and then I just said, tennis anyone. So, and I later on discovered, uh, even there's definitely no way that she got what I was saying. So in my mind, I'm like, I just told you I want to spend the rest of my life with you, basically. If you didn't hear that, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I know she didn't get it because the day that I went over to propose to her, she, she actually was going to tell me that I need not feel obligated to date her anymore. So we, the communication was just so great. Like, we completely understood Exactly. And when I talked to her, I told her I was going to share this. And she said, yeah, my dog liked spending time with me too. And I said, yeah, I can, I can, see, the, I can see the point. Je- Jesus has been communicating to his disciples throughout this entire discourse. And some things, they're just not grasping. They're not comprehending. They're hard to understand. He begins to say that in this opening verse here. But But then he says something else, and it has to do with a relationship, and he makes this very, very, very clear. And for the disciples and for you and me, he does not want there to be any misunderstanding or any doubt within this relationship. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So broke this down into three points, the three clarifications. And the first one is that some truths or teaching is unclear or hard to grasp or confusing or hard to understand. So listen to where Jesus starts out in verse 25, John chapter 16. He says, I'm sorry, in verse, did I say 25? Yeah. So he says, these things I have spoken to you 
in a figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you or communicate with you in a figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. So we definitely see that Jesus is talking about communication and how he's speaking to them in a, in a figurative language. So one of the first things I, I w- want us to see here is Jesus is not intentionally concealing truth from them. I think the ASV, I think that's the translation, the only translation that might have this. Um, but they translate this phrase as dark sayings. And Pastor Dave in his book translates it in dark sayings as well. And I, I think that's more uh, to what the point of what Jesus is saying. And it's not that he is concealing information from them. It's not that he is hiding information from them. It's that they don't understand or they are not able to grasp the information because of the situation and because of the weightiness of the truth of what he is saying, if that makes sense. Let me give you an illustration. So this is difficult truth for them at this moment. Oh, oh, it's not working. Can you try that and switch that over so everyone's... I was wondering why you were looking at me like that. I'm like, am I... Am I I'm not obviously communicating. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wasn't working. So let's try this. Maybe it's because this went off. Communication. Mm-hmm. Sorry, technical difficulty. It's not picking up the uh, the Wi-Fi. Oh, there it is. Now you can see what's all on my laptop. All right, there. That's that's better. So he's he's communicating these things to them, and and communication. When we look at the definition of communication, and I've I've been reading this in, in a preaching book, and it's actually really important for me to uh, to hear, because it means shared meeting. So so I'm when I'm communicating, what's in my head ends up in your head, um, and that's that's a successful communication. And we understand you may not agree with it, but you understand it. So what's in my head ends up ends up in your head. So Jesus is saying that they are not understanding. They, and it's not because he's not clearly communicating it. It actually has to do with the emotional state that they find themselves in. And hence this illustration. This guy tells a story about early on in his ministry, he served in a royal, rural, rural church in Georgia. He said, one Saturday we went to a funeral in a little county church, not of his denomination. He said, I grew up in a big downtown church I'd never been to a funeral like this one. The casket was open, and the funeral consisted of a sermon by their preacher. The preacher pounded the pulpit, looked over the casket, and he said, it's too late for Joe. He might have wanted to get his life together. He might have wanted to spend more time with his family. He might have wanted to do that, but he's dead now. It's too late for him, but it's not too late for you. There's still time for you. You can decide. You're still alive. It's not too late for you. Today is the day of that decision. 
And then the preacher went on to tell of a story of a funeral procession that was ran into by a Greyhound bus. And he said, that may happen today. You need to decide right now. It's too late for Joe. It's not too late for you. Now you see your eyes right now. You see your face. <laughs> I'm glad that was an illustration because I got to actually kind of preach it without really preaching it and, and saying those things. Now, let me ask you something. Was it clear communication? Well, it's pretty clear, wasn't it? Do you think they understood exactly what he was saying? Absolutely. Was it difficult for them to accept? You better believe it. Why? Because of the context and the truth that is being told. And sometimes the emotional state that we find ourselves in makes truth difficult to grasp. Even though we have God's word, during times of suffering, during times of pain, during times of trial, is this sometimes hard for us? Is it sometimes unacceptable? Yeah, it is. And that's what's happening with the disciples right now. That's what Jesus is saying. So this idea of dark sayings or this difficult truth or this shrouded truth is really because of what's going on in their own minds. The darkness is in them, not in Jesus' sayings. And it is a truth that is emotionally unacceptable or hard to grasp because of its weightiness or the situation that we find ourselves in. And we can go through this all the time in our lives. There is truth that maybe we know is true, but we don't want to hear it at that time. We don't want to accept it at that time. Because it's too hard for us. And many, 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 many times, that has to do with the situation that we find ourselves in. Or maybe it's a change of life for us. Maybe we're, maybe we're enjoying a sin in our life. And emotionally, we're just not, we're not comprehending that truth because we don't want to comprehend it. Because we know that it means a change and we don't want to take upon that change in our own lives. Jesus says that he's, there's going to be a time, and we know this is after the resurrection, when he's going to speak to them plainly, when, when they are going to understand. Why do they understand later on? It's because of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to speak to them plainly regarding the Father. And it, it shows us, and I, I, we, we have to pause here for a second, reminds us that sometimes we're going to go through things in life. We're going to hear Jesus say things to us. And the state that we find ourselves in sometimes is going to contribute to our willingness to accept it. And who do we need at that moment? We need the Holy Spirit, don't we? The Holy Spirit helps us in truth, we don't understand, and it helps us in truth sometimes we don't want to hear. We have to be willing to hear that. Now, later on, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. They all know what's going on, and the Holy Spirit is able to reveal why they had to go through all of that at that time. But right now, for them, they can't see this because they don't want to see it. 
And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, especially when we're submerged in darkness, even when that darkness is in our own minds, hiding the truth from us. And again, during these times, in in the context of joy and in suffering and in pain, that joy may be stolen, but there's someone that we can go to, isn't there? Isn't that what Jesus tells us? And there is a specific truth about this person that we go to that Jesus wants us to see very, very clearly. He wants us to know beyond a shadow of doubt how this person feels about us. Which brings us to our next point. So some truths are unclear. God's love is clearly stated, verses 26 and 27. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I, that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself, emphatic, loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So Jesus goes back to this idea of prayer. And he, he wants something to be absolutely crystal clear to them. Maybe they're not understanding anything else at this point. Jesus wants them to know something. He wants them to know a truth, and it has to do with their relationship to the Father. Because when Jesus says, in my name, they might be thinking, sometimes I think kind of how we think. Maybe we think like the Father's angry at us, and Jesus is constantly defending us in his presence, in his presence, and you know, oh, there, there's Mark again coming, you know, Jesus, you're really going to have to really talk me into to giving Mark anything, because Mark's just a fool, you know, he's doing all this stuff, whatever it may be, and, and there's Jesus, he's our, he's our only, only wall or, or between us and the Father, when the Father really doesn't like us at all, and the only reason that the Father is giving us things is because he, he feels obligated to do so. How many, have we had that perspective of the Father? I hope not. I, I, I think sometimes we do, though. And Jesus wants to make something very, very clear to them. Jesus loves us, and the Father loves us. The Father doesn't need this constant persuasion. And Jesus is emphatic about it, for he himself loves you. He loves you. We're going to talk about that love and that special love, but how many here, maybe right now, have ever doubted God's love for them? You don't have to raise your hands, or you can, you feel free. I... And I think when we're talking about in, in prayer and in this relationship, this is a crucial truth for each and every one of us. There's a movie. It's called Fences. It was originally a play that was written by August Wilson. Denzel Washington plays Troy Maxson, a 53-year-old man who works for the sanitation department. His son has doubts about his love for him. 
So he asks them, Dad, how come you've never liked me? Following conversation ensues, the father liked you? Who in the world says I have to like you? Where is there a law that says I have to like you? Answer me, do you eat every day? The boy looks down. Answer me when I talk to you. Do you eat every day? Yes. As long as you're in my house, you put sir on the end of that. Do you eat every day? Yes, sir. Is there a roof over your head? Yes, sir. Do you have clothes on your back? Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? And the boy, who's just deflated at this point, um, because you like me? You're the biggest fool I've ever saw. It's my job. It's my responsibility. A man's got to take care of his family. I fill your belly with food because you're my son, not because I like you. I don't have to like you. I just have to take care of you. Do you think he had any doubts about whether his father liked him or not after that conversation? No. Do you think that that, that child would have given away all those things if he knew his father loved them? Maybe you're here today and maybe you've had a really bad relationship with your father. Maybe it was like this. I hope and pray not, but I know that's not the truth for everyone. And it's pretty understandable. It's pretty understandable that we can, we can then project that relationship on our relationship with God and we can, we can think that God is just taking care of us because he has to. Because he's obligated to. He doesn't really like us. I'll tell you what, Jesus has something to say to you. The Father loves you. He loves you very, very much. And he loves you with a special, unconditional, infinite love. And he wants you to put that in your back pocket and live your entire life knowing that truth. And I think there's a little bit more because it has to do with this word love. You know, when you go through John, you go through the, the times John talks about God's love for us. How many people would think that this word is agape love? That would probably be my initial reaction was, right? It's not. Now, we wouldn't make a big deal about that if throughout the gospel of John, John would use other words to communicate God's love, but he doesn't. He only uses agape except right here. This is phileo. This is a love that is usually used to convey the affection between humans. 
Here's what this word means. It means to have a special interest in someone or something with a focus on close association. To have affection for, to consider someone a friend, to like someone. That's the word that is used here. God has affection for you. God considers you his friend. God likes you. It's a special affection with the focus for close attention, for getting to know each other. I always loved the term when it was said of Moses that he was a friend of God. It was, it's one of my favorite titles given to, a man, given to a man. He's a friend of God. I'm like, that's what I want. Jesus tells us, you have it. You have it. And I think in the context of prayer, doesn't this make us more confident going before him, doesn't it? Because sometimes we, I think we approach him like this dad that is just always angry at us. He's out to get us, and the only reason that he's taking care of us is because he feels somewhat obligated to. That's not the case at all. This is a special love, and it's a special love for those who, who love his son. And he gives us the reasons why God loves you. And we're going to extend that into the next verse because it's important for us to know how we enter into God's love. But I think sometimes we, we approach God's love, um, either, you know, sometimes maybe we just think we're so lovable, right? So, oh, God has to love me because here I am. I mean, look at me. How can you not love me? So that's the really bad way of thinking of why God should love us is because we're so lovable. But it goes on to, to what? I do good things. So I go to church. I read my Bible. I tithe. God loves me. I'm earning God's love. Or I'm indispensable to his work in the kingdom. God needs me. Therefore, he loves me because I do such a good job in the church ministry that I've been given. And, and you know, without me, everything would just kind of fall apart. Or he's obligated. And I think, I think we go, and it's like picking the flowers. Every day is different, right? He loves me. He loves me not. Ah, oh, I just messed up. He doesn't love me anymore. He loves me. Jesus wants this to be a constant in our life, and, and the reason why he loves us primarily is because of our relationship with his son. He loves us because we love Jesus. And that, and that makes sense when we think about the relationship with a father and a child. You know, I love my daughter, and therefore, if a, a worthy young man comes along and loves her, I'm going to love him. Now, he's, he's, you know, you know what I'm saying. But we don't, we're not worthy before God. Breaks down right there. But I'm going to love him. Why? Because he loves her. And he can share that love. But it's more than that. And this kind of brings us to our next point. We believe. We believe. So how, how do we enter into this special love that God has for us as we enter in by faith, don't we? That brings us to our third and final point. God's love is enjoyed through clear 
faith. Jesus marks it out very, very clearly as it is to what we believe. He starts in uh, the previous verse and then ends and then expands it. So in verse 28, what is it, what is it that we believe? What is it that enters us into this love? Well, it's faith, but it's clear faith. It's, it's faith in specific things that I came forth from the Father, that I've come into the world, that I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. So Jesus covers his pre-existence, his incarnation, his mission there on earth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. There you have it. You have the body of faith. And, and here it's in, this, it's in these areas that is the distinction between God's love in general for this world and God's specific, unconditional, special love for you and me, and that distinction is made in our belief in Jesus Christ. And when we get talking about God's love, we better be specific. It's not some some vague notion that everyone can enter into God's love. No. That is not what Jesus is saying here. He lays it out very, very clearly. And we need to get specific about this because the world is not specific about God's love at all. God loves the world, and that love was seen through sending of his son, without a doubt, but that's a general love. Not everybody is loved by the Father in this way that Jesus is talking about because not everyone loves his son the way that they, we need to. And not everyone believes that Jesus is God, that he preexisted beforehand, and that he took on flesh, that he became a man, and that he suffered, died, was buried, rose again from the dead, and ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting one day for t- to return. That's the body of faith. And it's very, 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 very specific, isn't it? But we live in this world. I, I stole this man's slide, so whoever you are, sir, thank you, or ma'am. I could have been a, a, a woman teacher, but I'm assuming it was a man there. But, uh, I, I, so I don't know who it was. I just stole the slide because he talks about soft preaching. And, uh, oh, it's not up there anymore, so you're like... So I'm like all right, it's not there. Okay, not working. Technical. Was, was it gone the whole time? Oh, that's good to know. Maybe you should have communicated that to me. I'm sitting there. I like waste like eight slides. I mean, come on. What was in your mind wasn't up here, wasn't up there either, was it? Oh, brother. Well, I'll, I'll send them out. He talks about, so my, the, it's vague, vagueness is vogue right now. So that's vague is vogue. To be really vague is really in style. In churches. In our culture. Once we get specific, forget it. You've lost people. Guess what? Jesus is not vague at all. And in the slide that I stole from this man, he, he says that the, the soft preaching, right, that we have in our churches today, vague is a distinctive of it. 
where there's, there's no, maybe we take a verse and we kind of apply it, kind of just generally. Why? Because everyone wants to be happy. And everyone wants to be comfortable. And everyone wants to think that they're loved by God. When in reality, if you do not believe the specific doctrines regarding the person and work of Jesus Christ, you are not loved by God. And we have to make this clear because we want people to enter into that love, don't we? We want people to be confident in that love. But that love is not entered into by works. That love is not entered into just in general because you were created by God. That love is only entered into when you place your faith and love Jesus Christ, his only son, who he gave for you and me. makes it very, very clear. But in that clarity, we have confidence, don't we? Because then we know we didn't earn God's love. So if you're, if you're please, if you're sitting here today and, and for some, some reason you think you need to earn God's love. You think that you need to, to be a good person. You think that you need to come to church. You think that you need to read your Bible every day. And all of that is going to earn you salvation and earn you God's unconditional love. I'm just going to ask you to please stop doing it right now. It's through faith. It's through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. He gives a summary of his entire mission. And that mission was initiated by God's love. Wasn't it? For God so loved the world. And I think we often forget that. You know, sometimes we go through periods of our life and we don't feel God's love, do we? We don't see God's love. And we usually base that on what? Our circumstances or what's happening in our life. I, I'm, just, I, I'm guilty of it. And I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to I wanna know it. But we forget that this is the greatest demonstration of God's love. The cross. The sending of his son. On our behalf. So that you and I can enter into that love and rest in it for all eternity. The other day I was... Dropping off my daughter and had a, one of those emotional father moments as I drop her off from school and I'm driving away and I look in the rear view mirror and just see her going in and pray, start praying or talking to God and just saying, Lord, please protect her. Please protect her emotionally, protect her heart, protect her physically. I just can't. Lord, I never want to see her suffer. Never want anything. And I know that's impossible. 
I know that's impossible, but I was, I was talking it and praying it, and, and I just started crying because I just, I just don't want anything to happen to her. That's an imperfect love I have for my daughter. It's imperfect. God's love for his son was perfect, wasn't it? Isn't it? Perfectly loved him, yet gave him into the hands of wicked men. Why? For you and me. It's clear. It's clear. Jesus tells us, tells us how we enter into it. And in that idea of the demonstration of God's love, Paul brings that back up in Romans, doesn't he? And he, he reminds us when he says, he who did not, what? Spare his own son. And in the context of what? Prayer. But gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God did not withhold his most precious son from you. What makes you think he's going to withhold anything else you ask for? But we do. We doubt. We struggle. Jesus wants to make it loud and clear to us. I don't know if you've ever saw the movie uh, Chance of Meatballs. I've never, never seen it. I think my, my daughter's kids probably have seen it. But there's a guy, Flint. He longed for his father's love and affirmation. Uh, but like many fathers who have trouble expressing themselves to their kids, Flint's father struggles to connect with his son, Tim. When he does try to communicate, he he uses fishing metaphors, so bad idea, right? But he doesn't, Tim doesn't get what he's trying to say at all. (laughs) Flint has this monkey, though, that that he talks to, and he, he talks to a he talks to him through this translator. So this monkey thinks thoughts and then translates them to the boy. And after all this um, hero stuff, you know, uh, the, the boy saves the world and the father's trying to express how he feels about him. He starts with another fishing metaphor and just falls flat. Son doesn't get it, but then the girlfriend grabs the monkey translator and then gives it to the father. The father starts talking. I'm so proud of you, he says. I'm so proud to be the father of someone as extraordinary as you. You're talented. You're original. Your mom knew you were always going to be someone special. If she were here today, she'd tell us both. I told you so. So now when you take this thing off, this translator, and you hear me make a fishing metaphor, just know that that fishing metaphor means, I love you. I love you. And the boy says, I love you too, Dad. God doesn't have a hard time communicating to us. As a matter of fact, Jesus 
translates that love crystal, crystal clearly, doesn't he? Some things are hard to understand, difficult for us to grasp. This isn't one of them. Maybe it is difficult, though. And maybe it's because of what we're going through. Jesus doesn't want it to be. He wants, this to be, he wants it to be as clear as day. The Father loves you. And he wants it to be clear how we enter into that love, that it's only through faith. But, but here's the question. Are you clear on that? Because that's what Jesus wants. He wants his disciples and he wants us to walk away being very, very clear on God's love for us. He wants you to be confident in it. He wants you to live it throughout your life. He wants you to know that when you go to the Father, He's going to answer your prayers because He loves you. Are you clear on the Father's love for you? Jesus wants to make sure of it. So I hope that I clearly communicated that today. Father, thank you for your love for us, Lord. We don't deserve it, but you gave it freely. You gave it for all eternity. Lord, help each and every single one of us to be confident in that love, not because of what we do, not because of who we are, but because of who we know and who we love, your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone here today that does not know your love, that they would. They would see your love for them through the sacrifice of your Son on the cross, on their behalf, that they would embrace that love and know that when they do, they will be in your arms for all eternity. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.